0: morning it's good to see you this morning Keith had to give me a little extra time to get up here because I'm moving slowly with no food <laughs> if you hear any stomachs rumbling around you it's because uh, several of us together in the church are fasting if you're fasting with us uh, thank you for that and uh, if you aren't if you're visiting today that's not a problem at all we've got a special prayer service planned for the day and so we just had decided that we would fast together leading into this service, just asking that God would speak to us and that we would uh, just intentionally be focusing on Him in, in a unique way for the past 24 hours. And so we're going to jump right in this morning to Ephesians chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 15. We're going to look at that prayer, and then Ephesians 3, starting in verse 14. These two prayers in Ephesians that we've we've kind of seen them the past several weeks that we've been walking through the first few chapters of Ephesians, and my plan is to walk through the prayer in Ephesians 1 and just make a few notes over here, um, some prayer points coming out of that prayer, and then we'll stop for a while and take some time for you to pray, all of us to pray together, um, and and I want you to feel the freedom if you just want to sit right there and pray, if you want to get on your knees and pray, just bow in front of your chair and pray, if you want to come up here and pray, just whatever you feel led in each section, but we'll pray through a section, and I'll kind of guide you, hey, let's pray for these things right now, and give you a couple minutes and then we'll move let's pray for these things and after we finish chapter one uh, we'll sing together again and then we'll work our way through chapter three in the same way sing together again uh, and then at the end of the service we are going to take the lord's supper together and our kids are going to come in to do that with us so that's where we're headed let's pray together right now and then we'll start into this prayer in ephesians one so let's pray father thank you for this time right now Every day, every moment of our lives, Father, it's true that we need you more than we need anything else in the whole world. But I pray that right now, this morning, that we would be aware of that truth, believing it in a deep and special way. That Father, we need you to do what only you can do. We need you to pour out your spirit and pour out your grace and do a spiritual work in our hearts, in our lives, in your church. Father, we need you to live in us by your spirit and produce in us what only you can. And so we come this morning asking you to do that. We come trusting you to do that. I ask that even this morning that you would teach us more of how to pray as we see these prayers in your word. I ask that that we wouldn't just see them and understand them, but they would become our heart and our desire, that we would long for these things, that we would ask for them because you were teaching us to want them. And, Father, right now as we come, a lot of us having eaten, Less frequently in the past 24 hours than usual, we come a little bit weaker, a little bit more aware of our weakness, a little bit more aware of how quickly and easily we run down, how frequently we need to be sustained, and I pray that in that physical truth that we would be reminded of a greater spiritual truth that we are weak and you are strong that we need you that we run down very very quickly when we're disconnected from you or not focused on you and that we need you to sustain us we need your life in us we need your power in us we need your spirit in us And so we come to you right now dependent on you, needy before you. And we ask that you will do your work. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so this first prayer in Ephesians 1, if you just want to start here in verse 15 with me, we're going to walk just kind of verse by verse, pull stuff out, and after we pull it out, we'll pray through it. Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus, and he says, For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And the first thing I want to point out right here is that he writes to the church and he says, hey, I keep hearing about your faith and your love. And so here's what I do. I pray and I thank God for that. I thank God for you. I thank God for the fact that I hear that you really have faith and there's really love in you. And and the thing that I want to point out there is that only makes sense if Paul knows that their faith and their love is the work of God in them. That this is something God is doing. This is a heart work and a spiritual work that God is doing in them. It'd be kind of like if we got to the end of the service today and you wanted to compliment the worship team and you came to me and you're like, they did such a great job. It sounded really good. And I was like, you're welcome. And you're like, You didn't have anything to do with it. I'm like, well, sure I did. No, I didn't have anything to do. I didn't have anything to do with it, right? Like, you would thank them for doing a good job. He thanks God because, like, God's the one doing this. And so just let's start here today with an acknowledgement of let's thank God for his spiritual work in his church, I know that church is sloppy, but I think you know what I said there. (laughs) And then I'll erase it. I can do better. And then also he says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering your practice It's ongoing. I keep praying. I don't cease to keep praying for you. And so it's like, I'm thankful that I'm hearing about your faith and love, and then I'm praying that God will keep doing this this isn't just a one time thing this is not a one moment thing this is not a oh yeah they were born spiritually and grew to here and now we're good to go I want the faith and the love that God's created in you to keep increasing I'm praying all the time that God will be doing this work in your hearts and so ask God to keep increasing our faith in Jesus and our love for one another. Because that's specifically what he says in verse 15, your faith in the Lord Jesus, your love toward all the saints. Now picking back up in verse 17, Paul starts to describe for me, so I'm remembering you all the time in my prayer. Here's what I pray for you. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. And so he says, I, I'm asking God to give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And so that one's straightforward. We're just going to write that one straight out. Let's, let's ask today to give us the spirit of wisdom revelation and what paul's saying there is that god has to be the one doing this spiritual work of teaching you revealing truth to you of giving you his spirit so that you can understand spiritual truth that that your spiritual eyes will be open you know not just that your physical eyes will see the words in this letter I mean, this was a letter to them just like we're reading a letter now and they could read it with their physical eyes but he said i want god to do something spiritual deeper than just you reading these words that this is going to have a spiritual impact in your heart and in your life, a spiritual impact in this church. And, And we know God's got to do that, that we have to be connected to him. It's when Jesus says, hey, I'm the vine and you're the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. There'll be no spiritual growth, no spiritual life, no spiritual power, no spiritual understanding. But connected to Him, united with Him, as His life flows into us, as His spiritual power flows into us, then He opens our spiritual eyes. He he softens our spiritual hearts. He opens our spiritual ears, and we start to hear and see and understand and love and believe the things that God's teaching us. And so we come with this humble dependence of, hey, there's a whole realm of spiritual work that is only going to happen if God does it. And so we're going to ask. We're going to ask Him to give His spirit. he's promised. This this is the result of what Jesus has done for us, is that Jesus sends the Spirit and the Spirit comes to build the church and to make Jesus known and to teach us everything that Jesus taught. And so the Spirit of wisdom and revelation but then this huge phrase at the end of verse 17 in the knowledge of him in the knowledge of God that the point of all of this would be that you would know God more. That I would know God more. Like, it's not so that you'll have more information in your mind. It's not that you'll be a better Bible scholar. It's not that you'll be able to win Bible trivia. It's not that you'll be really impressive with all the things that you can check off on your list of, hey, I know this, and I've done this, and I was real faithful in learning these things and memorizing these things, and I got my little Bible reading plan, and I can check off all the boxes, and I know all the answers, and I can You you want to do a Bible drill, I can flip to 2nd Hezekiah faster than anybody else. There is no 2nd Hezekiah. Um, That's not the point, right? The point is that you would know God. That, That everything, everything in the church, everything in your life, everything in all reality rises and falls, hinges on, do you really know who God is? Do you know the truth about who he is in his nature and character and how who he is defines everything else? And so this this next prayer is just, you know, God give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation, but specifically ask God to help us. Because he's saying he's got to give you his spirit for this to happen. Like this is going to be his work in you too. To help us focus on him and know him more. So then in verse 18, Paul goes on and he says, this is what that looks like. Like When he gives you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and you know God more, you have the eyes of your hearts enlightened. And there you see again... Like, this isn't me just coming and saying, hey, this is a spiritual work and not just an intellectual work. Hey, this is something God has to do and not just, something, not just a human work. It's right here in the text. Like, he's saying, we're talking about spiritual eyes open, right? Your, your physical heart doesn't have eyes. <laughs> he said, I want the eyes of your heart to be enlightened, that you'll, your heart will see the light of the truth of the knowledge and glory of God. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know the hope to which he has called you, What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? And so he's like, when your eyes are opened and you start to know God and see who God is, here's some of the things that that's going to produce in your life. Like the truth of who God is, is going to give you hope. You're going to see the riches of what he gives all of his people. That his saints, the church, the believers, followers of Jesus inherit all of this from God. And we've seen it over and over and over in these first few chapters of Ephesians, by the way, that it's the riches of his grace, the treasures of his grace, that his, his gift-giving grace pours out the fullness of who he is to us. And so you've got this hope that he's sharing all of his riches with you in grace. And then the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. And you see again there, it's his power, not ours. It's his work, not ours. But that this is what flows out of knowing him. You know him, you know the hope that he gives you. You know him, you know the riches of grace that he shares with you. You know him, you know the power that he gives to you as his people, his children, his family. According to, here's why. Here's why we could have all of that in God. According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And so you look and you think, Jesus is crucified, buried, dead. Like his life is over. And God is strong enough to reach down into the grave and to reach down into death and bring him back to life. Like to create life where there was death. The same way that he does at the very beginning when he creates light when there isn't. Like he says light and now there's light. He looks at his son and he says, life, and now there's life. That that is the creative power that exists within God. The ability that he has, and and Paul's praying that you will know that that immeasurably great power is given to you in Jesus. That this is what God offers to change your heart, to change your life, to build his church to accomplish his spiritual work in the world. He is not calling you to go out there and do all this stuff for him and try as hard as you can in your own strength and figure out a way to make some really good stuff happen. Like, Because you think about how big the world is and how messed up it is and how messed up we all are. It's like, this is impossible. I can't make this happen. You're right. Like You can't. (laughs) And he's not telling you to. He's not asking you to. He's like, I've called you to do something that is way too big for you and I'm going to give you my own power to bring it about. I'm not asking you to do it on your own in your own strength. The very same power of God that brought Jesus back to life, that's what he's offering us. Do we believe him for that? Do we trust him for that? Do we ask him? Do we go then and live like, I believe that this is what I have. This is what God has given me in Jesus. And so I I want to encourage you that if you look at your own life and you see a whole lot of death and a whole lot of brokenness and a whole lot of ashes and a whole lot of things where it just feels like that's done, it's over, it's gone, I've blown it too much, I've messed up too much, the failure is too big and too great. That's exactly where God shows up and brings his resurrection power. That's exactly where God speaks his word of life and then starts to do the work that only he can do. And so in all those areas, I want to encourage you, that's the moment, that's the place to come and say, I believe this is what God offers. I believe this is what God does in Jesus. And so let's just pray right here. Pray that God will fill us with hope, Riches of his grace and his resurrection power. So then we keep going. He doesn't just raise Jesus back to life, he raises him all the way back up into the heavens to this place of glory where he rules and reigns over all creation. He raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And so, the first thing, again, like the last verses of this first prayer right here that I want to make sure that we see is do you see who Jesus is? Like, do you see that there is nobody like Jesus? That God raises him from the dead, God the Father, and then brings the Son back to his right hand to rule over. You know, th- this is who Jesus is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. You pick any ruler you can think of, any authority you can think of, any power you can think of in the human realm, like any world leader, political leader, the most powerful humans who've ever lived, and then in the spiritual realm, angels and demons, anything you can think of that has authority and power in the, the, the human realm or the spiritual realm, and Jesus is far above all of them. Like That's who he is and above every name that is named. Like this unique place that belongs to Jesus alone. This glory that belongs to Jesus alone. This status that belongs to Jesus alone. Not only in this age, but also in the one to come. So not just right now, but forever. Like this is who Jesus is, and this is who Jesus will always be, and there is no one who will ever approach Him. There's no one who will ever be like Him. There's no one who will ever accomplish everything that God intended from the beginning of time to the end of time like Jesus has done. It is Jesus and it's Jesus alone. And and that's who He is and that's why all of our hope is in Him and that's why our church and our life has to be about Him. All things are under His feet. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're struggling with, it's under His feet. He is King and Ruler and God over it. And so... Just pray that we will see who Jesus really is. And we will be in awe. But then, after this picture that Paul paints that couldn't get any bigger, Like he couldn't exalt Jesus any higher, he couldn't talk about Jesus as being any greater... And then he comes and says, and here's what God did. God put all things under Jesus' feet and gave Jesus as head over all things to the church. God said, Here's, here's the greatest person in all reality Jesus the Christ, God the Son, the second person of the Godhead who came down and took on flesh lived a perfect life, died in our place, a sacrificial death on the cross, was buried, and then raised back to life by the power of God, and now sits at the right hand of God the Father, ruling and reigning over all creation. Here He is. And then God says, that's my gift to you. (laughs) The depth of the gospel in that moment, the riches of God's grace in that moment, like, is completely backwards if you hear it right. Because it ought to be, here's how great Jesus is. He's sitting on His throne. You better come crawling on your knees to Him and give Him the best treasures you've got. Right? Isn't that what you do when you're a peasant and here's the king? Like You probably don't even approach him, but if you get to approach him, you're on your face and you're saying, here's the best I've got for you. I hope you like it. And God's like, no, I'm not asking you to give something to Jesus. I'm giving Jesus to you. This is God saying, I'm taking the best I've got and I'm giving it to my church not because you deserve it, not because you could ever earn it, not because you're anything like him you're not, but because you need him and I love you. Because he's your only hope and I want you to have that hope. Do you see what a gift this is? When God says, the one who reigns over all reality, he's my gift to the church. He'll be your head. He'll be your leader. He'll be your guide. He'll be your protector. He'll be your authority. By His Spirit and by His Word, He'll tell you what to do and He'll lead you and He'll build His church. And you get to be connected to Him. Head over all things to the church, which is His body. That you get to be so intimately connected and united to Jesus by faith. That you now, you, you live with him. Your life is his life. He's the head and you're the body and you're one organism. Like You and I live with Jesus when we're connected to his church. I mean, this is an epic, supernatural, spiritual work that <laughs> encompasses all reality. <laughs> and you and I are connected to the one who rules over it all. And he's been given to you as a gracious gift. So my word, come and pray. Ask him to do what only he can do. Ask him to rule and reign in your life in this way, in this church, in this way, in his world, in this way. That we get to be the body of the one who is the fullness of him who fills all in all. Like all the fullness of all things in him. And God saying, I'll fill you up this way all your empty places, all your broken places, all your neediness. I'll fill it with Jesus. Pray that we will trust Jesus as head of His church. Pray That we will experience the fullness of Jesus' life. Where'd we go? In us. All right. That's chapter one. So let's pray this together. And again, if you want to sit there, that's great. If you want to kneel, if you want to come up here, let's start. And I'm just going to kind of estimate the time. So you're going to have time for all of us just to be praying. And I'll close the section. But let's take these first three right here. Thank God for his spiritual work in his church. Ask God to keep increasing our faith in Jesus and our love for one another. Ask God to give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. So just start there and, and just pray through those for a minute. Let's pray together. Father, for the spiritual work that you are doing in your church. Thank you for the love and faith that you're creating in us. We know, Father, that if there's even a shred of real love and real faith, that it means you're at work in our hearts. And so we thank you for that. And we ask you to keep doing that. I pray that you will increase our faith in Jesus, increase our love for one another, and increase it in increasing measure. that you would do a spiritual work that's immeasurable beyond anything that we can grasp, beyond anything that there could be a human category for, that you would pour out your spirit and build your church in this way. And we do ask that as you pour out your spirit that you'll give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that you would open our minds and our hearts to know the truth of who you are and what you're saying to us. Father, help us, rescue us from thinking the way that the world thinks, rescue us from thinking the way that we naturally think, the way that our flesh would think, and deliver us, Father, into your thoughts and your ways and your wisdom. And as you all continue to pray right now, let's move on to this next section. Ask God to help us focus on Him and know Him more, that the point of all this, the result of all this, the goal of all this, that it would come to the place where our hearts would just desire to know Him and we would know it's about Him. Ask God to help us focus on Him and know Him more. Pray that God will fill us with hope, the riches of His grace, and His resurrection power. So pray through those two sections. Father, I ask you again, help us know you. Turn our hearts to you. Turn our eyes to you. I pray, Father, that you will help us see by your Spirit, that you will show us that you are the foundation of all things, that you are the source of all things that you are the beginning and the end, that you are the deepest of depths and you are the highest of heights and every good and perfect gift comes from you. That anything we have that is good, that is spiritual, that it is from you, you are the source of it. You are the source of our spiritual life. You are the source of our spiritual power and we need you. And Father, I pray that you would train our hearts and our minds that our days would be about you, focused on you, seeing you, hearing you, that our moments would be about you, focused on you, seeing you, hearing you, that our entire lives would be that way. And then as a subset of that, that when we gather as your people, that this would be about you, about knowing you, growing in the knowledge of you, about making you known. Father, please do this work in us and fill us as we know you more and more. Fill us with your hope. The hope that comes from knowing that you're a God of grace. The hope that comes from knowing that the Lord, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich and abounding in love and faithfulness, forgiving sin, wickedness, and rebellion. That you... Because you are rich in mercy and because of the great love with which you have loved us, you came to find us and rescue us and deliver us out of death and sin and trespasses and bring us into life in Jesus. Father, I pray that hope would beat with power in our hearts. Fill us with the riches of your grace. I pray that you would give us a a spiritual depth to comprehend what your grace really is what it's like to receive gifts from the one who has everything from the one who is infinitely valuable in and of yourself and that you pour out gifts and treasures and riches of grace on us Father I pray that our hearts would leap at that thought and melt at that thought and that we would be changed as we encounter the riches of your grace and then, Father, fill us with your resurrection power. Your power to bring our dead hearts to life. Your power to accomplish your work in us, to accomplish your work through us, to accomplish your work in the world. Father, your power is the only thing that is enough to do what you intend to do and so we need you and we ask for the fullness of your power in jesus and then pray that we'll see jesus for who he really is and that we'll be in awe of him pray that your eyes will be open to really see the jesus that paul describes here and and to worship him and trust him the way that you should pray that we'll trust jesus as head of his church We would come to a place of saying, hey, everything that doesn't come straight from Jesus, let's strip that away. (laughs) And what comes from Jesus, let's cling to that and let us be that church. Let us really be his people. And let us believe that what he has for his church is the best thing that could ever be for his church. So that we'll see Jesus for who he is, that we'll be in awe of him, that we'll trust him as head of the church, and that we'll experience the fullness of Jesus' life in us. And So if you'll pray through those three right now. Father, open our eyes to see who Jesus really is. I pray that you'll give us spiritual eyes to see and spiritual minds to comprehend the ruling, reigning, resurrected Jesus in all of his power and glory. And I pray that our hearts will be in awe of him. we would fall down before him and cry out, my Lord and my God. Stir up that type of worship in us, Father. I pray that we would see Jesus more clearly than we see the world. And that his greatness would mesmerize us. And then I pray, Father, that we'll trust Jesus in all of his self-sacrifice and love and self-giving and grace and goodness toward us that we would look and we would say, I know that I can trust the one who has died for me. And so I trust him with my life and I trust him with his church. Father, help us to be a church where Jesus really is the head. And whatever that means, whether we understand it right now or not, whatever that means, let our hearts say, we want that. Whatever it is, whatever Jesus has for us, whatever Jesus wants for us, whatever Jesus calls us to do, we want it because it's Jesus. And then I pray, Father, that we will experience the fullness of Jesus' life in us. Father, I pray that for every area of brokenness that somebody in here could point to today in their life. For every area of disappointment and failure and hurt and pain and sorrow. That however you step into all that with the fullness of who Jesus is, I pray that we will get to experience the fullness of Jesus redeeming all of that. Bringing about things that are better than ever could have been otherwise. Things that only He can do. Filling us up with Him. With His Spirit. With His life. Healing and mending and restoring and redeeming and making new brand new greater things than anything that's been broken or lost Father I pray for the fullness of your redemption and the fullness of your resurrection work and the fullness of Jesus Father because we're his body you've made us his body you've given us to him and so we come and we ask for exactly what you've said we ask for exactly what you've promised let us fill feel the fullness of the one that you've connected us to thank you for who jesus is thank you for giving him to us help us trust him and love him and live in the fullness of his life in jesus name i pray amen ephesians 3 now we'll walk through verses 14 through 19 right now this time the second prayer that paul breaks into in this letter he says for this reason I bow my knees before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that here's the purpose of that power Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and so let's ask God ask God to strengthen us with His power, by His Spirit, so that the life of Christ Will be living in our hearts. But he, again, he's saying this is a spiritual work that you don't have the power for. You don't have the strength for. You don't have the resources. Everything that we can offer, you're going to talk spiritually, religiously, morally, behaviorally, however you want to say it, everything that you and I can do is external. We can change behavior, we can change appearances, we can come up with rules, we can come up with strategies, we can come up with programs, we can come up with whatever you want to call it and make each other or ourselves look better outside for however long that we're able to keep up the charade. (laughs) But what we can't do is reach inside and change somebody's heart, including our own. And all of our problems are in our heart. (laughs) Like everything that's wrong outside starts inside. And he's saying, I pray that God will do the work that only God can do. He does heart work. That Jesus actually comes to live in your heart, dwell in your heart. The word dwell there is the exact same word connected to the idea of when there was the tabernacle and the temple in the Old Testament. And God, in his grace to the people of Israel, said, I'll come and dwell among you. Like I'll let my presence be in this holy place, and this is where I'll be as your God, and you'll be my people, and you'll know that you have access to me. And now God says, hey, I blew that whole thing up when Jesus died on the cross. Right, the, the veil that separated you from the Holy of Holies, torn in two from top to bottom, because now it's not just in this temple, it's not just in this tabernacle, it's not just in this one sacred Holy of Holies place. He's saying, I've come now to live in you. Not in a building, not in a location, to live in you as my people. This is what it means to be the church. Not a building, not a location, that Jesus lives in you. And he's come to do something inside you, in your heart that all the external stuff in the world could never, ever do, to actually change who you are and to change who you are in such a way that, yeah, what you do starts to change. And how you live starts to change. The way that you love people starts to change. The way that you give starts to change. The way that the focus of your life turns out off of yourself instead of being so inward and self-centered that you start to lift up your head and it turns, first of all, upward to God and then outward to other people that he changes the orientation of your heart from being on yourself, self-centered, turned in on yourself, to being turned up toward him in love and worship and turned out to other people. He's saying, you can't do that to yourself. <laughs> you can't make that happen in you. But God can, and he promises to do it in Jesus. And Paul's like, so if I'm starting churches, and I'm making disciples, and I want Christianity to grow, with an I need God to change people's hearts. And so I'm praying, church, church in Ephesus, that I want want you to grow so much and I want this to happen. Here's what I'm doing. I'm praying that God will do in your heart what only he can do. And so church, I pray this for us. And we're going to pray this together in just a minute, that God will strengthen us with his power, not ours, by his spirit, so that as Jesus dwells in us, that the life of Christ will be living in our hearts. And then the direction he goes with this is surprising. He's like, "So I'm praying for God's strength and God's power and God's spirit to be working your hearts as Jesus lives in you. But he says, and here's the, the result or the purpose of the goal. Here's where they said. That you being rooted and grounded in love, and we've seen this story of love through all three chapters of Ephesians and so far. where it was like, God loved you. He chose you. He set his affection on you when you had done nothing to deserve it, when you didn't even exist yet, God had love within himself turned towards you. And he came, and because of the great love with which he loved you, he rescued you and saved you and brought you to himself and made you part of his family. So you're rooted and grounded, and that was your start. This is where God started you. But now, where do you go from that start? I pray that you'll have strength to comprehend So this spiritual strength that Paul is praying that God will give to you, that you need this in order to know something, that this thing that you need to know evidently is so hard to know or so beyond your human ability to know that you need the strength of God himself to help you know it. You won't think your way to it. You won't reason your way to it. You won't learn your way to it. You need the strength of God to comprehend with all the saints, in other words, the whole church combined, that this is what God would have them to know. What is the breadth, and length, and height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. He says, I pray that God will give you the strength and power of his own spirit so that the entire church, all the people of God, are actually capable of knowing. And out of all the things that you could fill in next, he says, this is what God wants the church to know. Church, this is what God wants you to know. How great his love is. How much he loves you. How high and deep and wide and long. That whichever direction you want to go, his love goes farther. Wherever you've been, his love's already there and his love comes to get you and his love brings you back. You can't get past it. You can't get outside it. You can't get beyond it. If you are his, he loves you. Period. And it's bigger than everything else you'll ever know. It's bigger than anything else in your life. And then what he, what he says is, and I know I've pointed this out the past week to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. This is one of those great hints that I, I think we're on the, the right track when we're saying, hey, this isn't just an intellectual academic exercise. This isn't just so you'll know facts about God or that you'll know facts about God's love or even that you'll be able to list these propositional statements of, hey, here are these, you know, you know, the truths that we write about God every week. It's a great thing. But you can list truths about God and you can make an A on every theology test you ever take and that's not the goal. And not to know the facts about God, but to know God. You know, Knowledge that surpasses knowledge is experiential. Not just know it in your head, but to actually experience the love of Christ, to encounter the love of Christ, to know this love because you're living in relationship with him. That this person who exists, Jesus Christ, the second person in the Trinity, God the Son, that the love that he has for you, he wants you to personally know that in your life. And then the result is when you know him that way, it's the same same line that we ended the first prayer with, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That I think if we're reading this right, what Paul says right here is, everything I prayed for you in the first prayer, every spiritual goal that we would have for you, everything that we want for the church, everything that God wants for the church, like all of God's reasons for creating the church and the work that God's doing in the church, here's how it'll happen. <laughs> and listen, there's nothing that any of us would think or say. He's like, here's how it all happen. If you know how much Jesus loves you. If you ever know the height and the depth and the width and the length of the love of Jesus Christ for you. It will change you in such a way and it will unleash a grace and a power in your life that nothing in this world can stop. That the love of Jesus is powerful enough to accomplish everything that Jesus wants in your heart and everything that Jesus wants in his church and everything that Jesus wants in the world. That the love of God is the most powerful thing you'll ever encounter in your life and in all reality. And so Paul's like, so I'm praying that all the strength that God has and all the power that God has and the fullness of God's Spirit, that God would bring it all to bear on you as his church so that you can begin to comprehend just how much Jesus loves you. And you'll experience it in a way that surpasses knowledge. That you will personally, intimately know Jesus in this relationship. And you'll know that he loves you. You'll know that he looks at you and he loves you because that's who he is. He has no condemnation for His people. He's not mad at you. He's not disappointed in you. He's not pouring out shame and guilt and condemnation on you. He's pleased with you because of His work for you, because of His grace to you, and because of His work in you. He looks at you now and he sees his perfect work. He sees his perfect righteousness. He sees his perfect obedience. It's, all, it's been given to you as a gift of grace. It's yours. God has credited it to your account. When he's like, hey, here's how much righteousness do you need? Do you have it? You may think, no. But the answer is, yes, I do. Jesus put it in my account. I've got it. I've got sw- I have what is needed for God to be perfectly pleased with me and to accept me completely and give me full access to himself. And Paul said, if you ever start to realize how God loves you and approves of you and accepts you, how pleased he is with you, how he smiles when he sees you, not because of something in you that would stir up pride in you, but because of something in Jesus that would stir up humility in you and confidence in Jesus. That you can be simultaneously so humble about who you are, but so confident because of who Jesus is and that he has given all of himself to you. And Paul says, if if ever, if ever you start to understand that love, and you won't do it unless the Spirit helps you, so let's ask him to do it. That's what he's saying right here. But if ever the Spirit really pours out his power and does a spiritual work on God's people, and you start to understand that love, you will be filled with all the fullness of God. Everything that you need to be and do, everything that God calls you to be and do, will flow out of this. Not out of you, not out of your resources, not out of your strength, but out of this. And so ask God to strengthen us with power by His Spirit so the life of Christ will be living in our hearts. But then ask God to help us know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. So let's pray those two together right now, and then we'll sing another song, and then we'll move on to the last few verses as we go to the Lord's Supper, but ask God to strengthen us with His power, by His Spirit, so the life of Christ will be living in our hearts. Ask God to help us know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. You pray through those two for a minute, and then I'll pray for us. to the riches of your glory. Please grant us to be strengthened with your power through your spirit in our inner beings. I pray that Christ will dwell in our hearts through faith. I pray that we will be rooted and grounded in love, that your love would be our source, our foundation, our connection place, our starting point. And then, Father, we ask you to give us strength together with all your people, your entire church. We pray, Father, right now for your worldwide church, that they would know you in this way. That you would give us strength to comprehend how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Help us bask in your love for us, Father, the way that you intend. The best that we can understand from what you've revealed to us about your love, Father, is that the nature of love wants to be enjoyed, wants the the beloved to experience and enjoy love, that the nature of love wants to be demonstrated and declared and shown and shared and given, that it's other-focused. And so, Father, you tell us that this is who you are, this is your nature, that you have a heart of love. And so you've chosen to do this because of who you are, but it's all of our hope. It's every good thing we could ever hope for. And so help us, Father, by your Spirit. Help us to experience your love the way that you intend, the way that your love desires to be experienced. Help us to encounter you in love, to know you in love, to meet you in your love, to be set free from shame and guilt and condemnation and all the things that would keep us at a distance from you, believing that you're displeased or that you want us to try harder or do more or earn our way to you first. Father, I pray that all of that would die. That all of that would be crucified in the resurrection power of your love. And that we would run to you like a child runs to a father that we would hear your words of love. We would hear your gospel of love. We would see how you've demonstrated your love for us in Jesus. And Father, may the power of your love explode in our lives. May the power of your love explode in this church. May the power of your love overflow from us into your world to draw people to Jesus. That they also may know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Fill us with all of your fullness in your love for this purpose. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Our last two verses here. Headed into the Lord's Supper. These two verses primarily function as worship and praise and thanksgiving to God. If you think about everything that we've covered in the two prayers up to this point, and you think, that's who God is. And that's what he offers you in Jesus. Then just absolutely, you come to the end and you're like, "All oh, glory to God forever. <laughs> Praise God for who he is and thank God for what he gives us in Jesus. That's primarily what's going on here. But as you read it, I think you also hear in it, that Paul, like one more time, reminding the church, even in this prayer of this is what God's doing. This is what he's doing in you. This is what he offers to you. And I think there's also just a little bit of the tone of a dare here. He's like, okay, you think I've said everything already. <laughs> like, you think that these two prayers, these two prayers that we've prayed through this morning, they're so huge. I mean, they're so gigantic. They cover everything. And then he says this Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. Those, first, those two prayers, they've covered everything. And he's like, and God can do more than that. Far more than that. Far more abundantly. Everything you've prayed for so far, he can do more. <laughs> everything you'd ever ask, he can do more. Everything you'd ever think of, he can do more. You've prayed for everything this morning, and don't even stop there.
1: <laughs> Just
0: let him blow up all your categories. <laughs> let him blow your mind. Let God just come and say, there'll never be a limit. I'll never be done. It'll never be all of it. There'll always be more. Always more of Him. More of Him to know. More of Him to love. More of Him to worship. Always more of His grace to you. The riches of His grace. The immeasurable riches of His grace. Always more that He's going to give and pour out. More ways that He's going to be at work in you. Always more that He's going to be accomplishing. Now to him who's able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. He's like, this power I keep talking about, that God's going to do his stuff in you by his power, his strength, his spirit. You've prayed for everything. God can do far more abundantly than everything you've prayed for. Here's how he does far more abundantly than everything. By his power. That's the power that's at work in you the power that can do more than all you ask or think, the power that can do more than these prayers that seem to pray about everything, God offers that to you. Church, God offers that to you. God lives in you to accomplish his purposes in this way. Now to him who's able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I want us to do a couple of things with this last prayer right here. I want you first of all to thank and praise God. And I'll write it over here if it's helpful. Thank God. Praise God. Worship God. Do that for a minute as we pray. And then also this idea that he would be glorified in his church. Pray that we will be a church that glorifies God. And this throughout all generations forever and ever. It was this idea of this ongoing spreading, this expansion, like not just for us right here this morning, but that God pours out his power into us for his purposes so that he receives the glory that he deserves in people's lives, in the world, that God would use us as followers of Jesus to make followers of Jesus, to help other people see who God is, to know his love, to encounter him in his work. And when we ask you week after week to be praying about starting community groups, both for people within the church, but also people outside the church. for asking you to, to pray and study the Bible with people, to have these disciple-making spiritual conversations with people. This is it right here. because this, this is what he's building his church for, that he will be known. And that somebody who knows him will make the introduction to some, for somebody who doesn't know him. To pray that we'll be that type of church, a church that glorifies God by making disciples By His Spirit. dependence on Him. And so, I'm going to ask you to take just a minute here to thank and praise and worship God. Pray that we'll be a church that glorifies God by making disciples by His Spirit. And then I want you to take this blank check that God gives you in verse 20. And I want you to imagine the biggest things that you can ask Him for. The biggest things in your heart, the biggest needs, the hardest things, the biggest struggles, whatever it is, the biggest things in your life, the biggest things in your family, the biggest things that you can dream of that he would do through this church in spiritual terms, thinking about the work of God by his Spirit. And I want you to ask him for all of it. I want you to ask him for all of it and then more. And when we come out of that prayer time, we'll take the Lord's Supper together and we'll know that whatever He does, He does because of Jesus. And so praise God. Pray that we'll be a church that glorifies God by making disciples by His Spirit. And then ask for whatever it is that He puts on your heart to ask for. And then we'll wrap up together. So let's pray. you want to go ahead and have the kids be coming to us? I'm going to pray for us, church, and then we'll talk about the Lord's Supper as the kids come in. Father, we praise you right now. Thank you. Thank you for all the gifts of yourself and your love and your grace that you have given us in Jesus. Thank you for who you are and for how you have revealed yourself and made yourself known in Jesus that you let us know you, And thank you that you're a God of love and mercy. Thank you that you let us experience your love and be one with you, connected to you, in relationship with you, not just that we would know that you're a God of love, but we would know you as the God of love. We thank you and we praise you. Father, I pray that this morning in some way you have been glorified as we see who you are. And I ask that you will continue by your spirit, by your power that works within us, to build us into your church that exists for your glory, that you will be glorified in your church, that you will use us to make disciples throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. For your glory. Father, please do this as only you can. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Kids, come on in. Find your parents parents as they're coming in, and everybody as they're coming in, if you want to take your cup and your bread, and you can be working on those wrappers on the top. It's a really funny thing, I think, when you start to see what I'm getting ready to say. And then the more you see it, you see how brilliant God is, how wise he is, how there's just this deep, deep truth that exists in his mind and his heart from before time that defines everything, but it's just—it's a mystery to us. It's not natural to us until he shows us that the God who has all the power we've talked about all morning, all this strength, all this power who rules and reigns over all things, that at the center of everything he did to pour out his power and save his people and accomplish his purposes and build his church and show his glory in the spiritual realms, he did it by becoming as weak as possible. He did it with brokenness. He did it with death. That Jesus didn't swoop down looking like a king at all came as a servant and he died he could have demanded allegiance power can do that but instead he's chosen to win your heart love does that And so the king who rules over all, let his body be broken for you. Let his blood be shed for you. The source of life stepped into death for you. Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. is my blood of the new covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins do this in remembrance of me I said that the source of life stepped into death for you and he did but death couldn't hold him. The source of life was stronger than death. And so when we sing this last song, we thank a king who died for us, but we don't sing to a dead king. Jesus Christ resurrected seated at the right hand of the Father, ruling and reigning over every power and authority and name that will ever be named forever. That's who you sing to. That's who we worship. That's who we follow. That's who lives inside of you. And so we're going to sing together here in just a minute. We are going to have some pastors and elders. I know we've been praying all morning, but if you would like to pray with somebody or you just want to come down here and kneel and pray, you want to talk to somebody just about something that God's doing in your heart, in your life, any of those things, it's always always open all the time not just during this song but certainly during this time if you want to come talk and pray with somebody please do that during this time and then as we wrap up i know i know we flipped the day and so there's a couple of announcements here at the end we are going to have donuts for you um if hopefully you've broken your fast on the lord's supper but there's going to be donuts out there and then we're also having our first q a after the service if you'd like to hang around um and ask questions about sermons the past few weeks about the church in general, about our approach to the Bible and teaching, or about community groups and starting community groups, we're going to be up in the, uh, the children's ministry room since they're all in here. We'll have pizza for you. The kids can go on the playground. Even if you didn't sign up and you want to stay, obviously you're welcome to. So I just wanted to remind you that's happening after the service. Right now, if you'll stand and let's sing together. And if you want to come and pray with one of us, please do that.